Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip. Reporting live from Berlin for Extended Clip, I'm Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And it's day four of Berlin Ale 71. How are you boys feeling? The festival fatigue starting to sit in? Oh man, this Berlin lifestyle has been catching up with me. Uh, I mean, first of all, when you get off the plane, it's like the time difference. I mean, come on, how are you, you, know, how are you supposed to get good sleep with that time difference? So true. And then, That's why I've been staying up all night watching movies. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, Eddie, I will have to concede to you, you might be the better critic than me because I've been staying up all night in my bed asleep. All right. <laughs> I've been I've been getting those Z's. And, you know, there's there's, you know, I know we like talking about movies and stuff like that, like uh, like shots and plots and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, there's there's also strategy here, too. You know, it's like, how do you watch a movie? Do you watch, you know, 20 in a day? You know, or no. do you, or do you watch, you know, maybe twelve in a day, more like me, and you get yes. like a good eight hours sleep in between. You know, three healthy meals. Germans eat very healthy, so we've been eating very good down here. We've oh all, my we've god, all, we've all lost a little weight, actually. Yeah. yeah, I go down to the bakery every day, grab a fresh roll, eat it by the time I get back to our little condo here. JT, do you mind cracking the window and getting us some of that fresh <laughs> Berlin air? Yeah, oh, wow. in our little hostel here. That classic Berlin air. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, my strategy with this festival has been like you go theater all day and then like the Berlin club. I've been going to the Berghain every night. You have a little perversion excursion? Having ecstasy, doing coke, uh, just hanging out with uh, just me and the fellas. Yeah, we're getting so much ass from this goddamn festival. (laughs) I'm not trying. I'm not trying to leave. We found we found paradise. See, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are looking at models on Instagram. I've been looking at these motivational pages that te- that teach me that you know chasing women is injurious to your future. And so, while you guys have been chasing tail all around Berlin, trying to go on perversion excursions, I've been at the movies, studying my craft. I've wow. been doing my job. I'm the one who got us accredited here. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna mess around, get me unaccredited. Yeah, but they kick people out of Berlin for social climbing. That'd be the first. <laughs> That'd be the goddamn first. Uh, no, I mean, hey, this is this is how you know we are journalist radio, right? We're not a podcast anymore. We're journalist radio, and there's of course you have to watch the movies, and I know. There's a lot of critics here, and that's what comes first. We love the critics um, and film criticism, but let's be honest. These these there's the festivals are here for a reason. They're here for the market, the marketplace, the social climbing. You know all the you know the backroom deals. That's what festivals are here for. And I plan to be on the back of many back doors. Yeah, that are ha- going on. I, I think that this is kind of a historic Berlin. You know. Yeah. Um, not just for being a virtual, uh, for some people, of course, we're here, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. uh, but for the fact that, you know, just to think of how far we've come, you know, 1951, oh, yeah. the first edition of the festival, we opened with Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. What, what, what a picture. Uh, they're starting off by remembering the classics. Well, you know, these guys know what's going on. <laughs> Flash forward 80 years later, who do we see? 
but extended clip. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. it was like Berlin Ale 71. I was doing the math in my head. I'm like, 71? Oh, when 70 was... years later. Oh, Sorry. 70, <laughs> 70 years later. Well, anyways, I was, I, was do, I was doing the math, and I was like, 70 years? How long was that when they were... But no, then no, I was like, it's nah, a little no, 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 they wouldn't be doing that <laughs> then. <laughs> so it didn't, well, it's not a product of that. Well, that's the thing uh, of the big three, you know, 33% of which were founded in fascism. Uh, yeah. That's why we'll never attend the Venice Film Festival. Absolutely well, but, not. you know, sometimes journalistic integrity calls for it. And so we admire the journalists who are able to set aside their politics and uh, vote for the Mussolini Award at the Venice Film Festival, but we're here in Berlin. That's what's important. Whoever thought three American guys like us could end up in Berlin? Three Americans. It's crazy because it's like, uh, you know, the Euro culture. They got their berets. They have their uh, cigarettes or whatever. And we we're just we're humble pie. We're just humble pie personified walking through. <laughs> and they see us. They kind of turn their heads and they know. Yeah, they know a- that. Them, those are them boys from Extended Clip, and uh, they're going to give us hell. <laughs> I'm coming here like dressed in overalls with a big piece of straw sticking out of my mouth. Like, and they're like uh, Axl Rose <laughs> in the Welcome to the Jungle video, stepping off the bus. I'm dressed like Weird Al in uh, Amish Paradise. <laughs> like, what is this, this podunk little hayseed boy from America? What's he doing here? Now that boy, he's got a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> And the glimmer in his eyes, and I, you know, he's not as well educated as many of the others here, but I think he's got some other aspects that maybe they don't have. So the opening film of the festival um, was Introduction by Hong Sang-soo, but we already talked about that. So the opening film of the festival uh, was Jack's Ride by Susanna Nobra. How far we've come from Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. (laughs) Just do that with everyone. (laughs) Do you remember Rebecca by Alfred Hitchcock? Well, this is what they got going on here now. You want to tell us about Jack? Um, Yeah, I love the time that we uh, spent getting to know Jack. You don't know nothing, you know Jack. Um... (laughs) I think that's the tagline, <laughs> actually. Um, but Jack is—it's—it's uh, it's Portuguese, yeah. right? He's—he's he's a Portuguese uh, guy who is like working in industry there, and as a young man, uh, ventures over to—it's kind of like the reverse of what we're doing here. Mm. Like coming, you're coming from uh, Europe to the U.S., and he experiences a little bit of our culture. And the movie is about him as an old man, uh, sort of uh, gearing up for retirement, reflecting upon his time uh, working in the U.S. as like a cab driver and a limo driver. Yeah, I mean, it it mainly consists of him telling these stories in voiceover voiceover, voiceover. uh, while he's driving around. And so, you know, the only images we see of america are like taken you know archival footage from a train late in the film um but you know the the dissonance that's created between his descriptions of working as a driver in america and driving through these uh portuguese highways now uh you know collecting the stamps and doing what he needs to do uh to somehow get retirement benefits despite you know, whatever bureaucratic shortcomings are preventing him from doing so. Yeah, you know, 
I mean, you know, this this is festival fair, and it's, you know, maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, I should have expected it going in, but I feel like this one was a little too essayistic mm. for me, or it just very it's dry, very dry oh, yeah. in its structure, and I kind of like its, I guess, its structural attempts, but also I did, you know, something that I found myself maybe enjoying more than anything else was kind of like these scenes of Jack dealing with the process of getting, you know, stamps for you know to continue receiving unemployment yeah. and it's like these i don't know and like maybe this is this is just maybe me being a little bit maybe i'm not thinking art house enough but i was just like you know this is maybe a little bit more traditional we see jack kind of using his charisma here in these scenes you know yeah. as much as you know he's allowed by the direction and i, I don't know i kind of i kind of like these scenes more maybe than like i don't know like scenes where uh, footage is implemented over him giving his description of the American experience. It's like there are parts of this. I mean, it's a very beautiful movie yes. and like, I love the way it's composed and I think a lot of the color work is great, but it just like drags so much. And I think there, it like tries to get at something with like, I mean, I don't know the full context about like Jack as a real person, but I mean, from the end, it sort of seems like this is a like documentary, like fiction, like hybrid. And it, it hints at that at points, like with the like camera in the beginning, the point where like Jack is driving and there's the very like they they pull back and sort of show the rear projection there. And at points where it's like like before that, where it's clearly like rear projection when he's driving. And that's like interesting. But like. And I mean, I have that problem with like other like conceits or like structural and like stylistic attempts in the movie. It doesn't like really commit to any of them to like to to see them through. And that I don't know. Yeah, there are a couple attempts at like uh, showcasing the artificiality, such as that scene you described, where it's like it's a driving scene where he you know pulls back the camera to reveal that he's you know using a rear projection thing uh and it's like i i don't know it doesn't yeah as you said it's not really committal it's not really it's never really deconstructing the reality of it outside of that and like it also opens on a camera uh pointed at jack and um yeah i guess the strength of the film as you said malcolm is jack using his charisma and his uh, Silvio Dante-esque quaff uh, <laughs> to just charm the pants off of anyone around him. That's, I mean, that's, that's that, I guess that's kind of my issue, right? Because, of course, you want to show Jack and, you know, his unique experience as, you know, an immigrant's perspective to America. I, I, I respect the conceit, but at the same time, I feel like maybe there's more agency in letting Jack kind of show his natural charisma and maybe, you know, giving him some more actorly scenes or just weaving those in throughout um, the narrative. Because like, like, like you said, JT, there isn't really a committal to any of the things that it's doing. Kind of like that meta reveal that he's driving in a rear projection. I really, I mean, it really kind of does absolutely zilch for me. You know what I mean? It kind of just displays an aspect that it's going for, but it doesn't quite achieve. But um yeah i know but like you know to stay on the positive side yeah like there's like a good uh photography uh to this movie and i kind of especially like um when the director's just detailing the cities and kind of we just get like a lot of these landscape shots and yeah. i mean there are like I, I mean in the stylistic choices that i think like don't really amount to st- 
to much. I think there are like interesting decisions that I like, like having Jack play the younger version of himself. And we get those little scenes that are like New York flashback stuff that like, I don't know. I like that and has like it's charming, but like it, it, there are many scenes that just feel like they're from totally different, like all different paths that you could take for this movie yeah. and never decides on mm-hmm. which one it is. Next, we're going to talk about Come Here. Uh, that is a film, uh, Anocha directed also uh, by the time it gets dark a couple years ago. And so this is a filmmaker that I know has kind of a big reputation uh, just in terms of like a recent breakout film. But this one, I have to say, kind of felt like almost minor at the time, but has definitely crept up on me over the last couple of days. It's a very strange, beautiful film shot in black and white, 4-3. Uh, there's some split screen even that splits the 4-3 into two. I guess it would be like 2.66 widescreen frames uh, that are also framed very beautifully. And uh, yeah, no matter how lost I got in what am I looking at here, uh, <laughs> it was always like formally adventurous and thought provoking. No, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't say that I had a firm grasp on like I don't know what this movie was trying to do or whatever, uh, but like yeah, there is like a there is like a firm uh, visual quality to it. Like a, every shot is has like a very precise nature to it that I enjoy. And like yeah, the I, I really uh, enjoyed the black and white too. It's kind of rich and, and you know it's kind of a, a darker tone of the black and white that kind of contrasted nicely with like a kind of the lighter black and white that Hong uh, was u- using. So that's just my own personal screening experience. But uh, uh, yeah, I, it, I think out of all the ones that we've seen, this one's kind of the hardest one for me to develop thoughts on just because I feel like maybe it requires some context. And also maybe I was just a little too tired and a little too out of it to fully soak it in. But I guess, you know, maybe we're, we're newcomers to the festival experience. Maybe this is what it's about, you know, letting a film kind of get in your mind and you don't really know exactly how you feel about it. You just let it kind of uh, stay there and ruminate. And I we're mean, also newcomers to festival going. So maybe we made a mistake watching a very slow movie at like 1030 at night. Yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely left me like curious to like check out, uh, the other Anocha movies because I just want to like see what she's about and yeah. like get a, a firmer grasp of it. But I do think like, I mean, I have thought about it a lot and I liked it. And I think that like there are things that sat with me and I think it's working towards like something coherent with like identity and like the nature of like, I don't know, being civilized with like them sort of being like animals artificiality in the sense that they play um the like that one scene where they're like talking like on that like uh sort of like riverfront house like a few times and in a few different ways like one on the very like artificial like set and it's clearly driving at something but just with all of the clues that i was given it's like what the fuck is this but i I, mean i like that though yeah no exactly it doesn't like 
I think it's almost like a plug your own thesis in unless you're smart enough to actually understand what the filmmaker's doing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think that, I mean, so we, we haven't really described what even happens yeah, in this film, true. but four friends go on a trip and then something strange happens. Yeah. It's <laughs> also the strange thing is that like one person becomes another, but then it's almost just like nothing happened in terms of the, the social scenes. It's like the very expressionistic and strange and mystical scenes are played without any dialogue and then it's almost like they have no impact on the scenes where the four people are just like hanging yeah uh, but i guess that's a dynamic that you have to like explain in your head while you're watching it kind of and uh, i think that kind of back and forth between uh those more intimate scenes and the more expressionist scenes uh or the more surreal scenes i guess even uh and even like the use of split screen and then the use of those locations versus the deconstructed set version that's like on a stage that has this beautiful uh i mean the whole movie's in black and white but this beautiful (laughs) white you know backdrop to it and uh the more i think about this movie the more i like it no yeah it's definitely something that's growing in my estimations and I think when I first started watching it, I was almost, I almost had like, it's like, ah, oh, here comes, you know, more, you know, kind of like a dry art house thing. But then like, I, I was like, oh yeah, I don't need to have a grasp on everything and I you know, let it kind of unfold in yeah. front of me. It took a while yeah. for me. I mean, it's a pretty short one, but it took maybe 20 minutes for me to get on its wavelength. But once I did, I was very glad to. Yeah. It also reminded me of La Ventura kind of, mm-hmm. where it's just like people go on a trip, something weird happens let the vibes encapsulate you make your own meaning there's crazy images <laughs> yeah i mean that's 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 pretty much yeah kind of like other vacation movies yeah you know, and kind of exactly. like exactly i mean I'm, hey then it's like fucking yeah a lot of adam sandler movies too. <laughs> <laughs> but that, i mean that is like somewhat of a common theme in vacation movies whether it's as something that's very uh um i don't know rigidly art house is this or even a comedy movie it's like people uh people's identi- uh, perception of identity being changed mm. on vacation. So maybe maybe this is just a, a, a movie about how a road trip changed it all. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> a Noche's Adam Sandler. Or a Noche's Fairly movie. Yeah, I was thinking, ap- I was thinking uh, uh, in yeah. the more Fairly vein, yeah. to be honest. Um, we then watched... This uh, is the kind of festival coverage you will not get anywhere <laughs> yeah. else. I do not think anyone is going to compare any Anocha movies to the Fairleys or Sandler. <laughs> uh anna vaz's uh 13 ways of looking at a blackbird and this is something of a high profile like avant-garde filmmaker um i feel like this might be an exception to the rule in terms of her films it's a collaboration with students that are young immature not filmmakers etc that see that's that's the thing it's like i i like i'm gonna go on a limb and say i doubt this is like a uh, a large representative of her work yeah because yeah it is like it seems like the conceit i this is another one where i think i got five minutes of sleep and not to not to lie it's only but, like uh, 30 but, minutes long yeah too, yeah but that's fine that's yeah fine. um well it's it's like we go to like a perspective from like each high school student and they kind of just mm-hmm. get their own little segment they get to yeah do based out of this one poem and you know it's yeah. like different lines are repeated sometimes it's you know certain phrases from the poem <coughs> are given more weight repeated more often etc I mean, a lot of it, like, 
is focused on like the experience of the kids making the movie itself. And I like, I don't know, in general, I think I'm open to enjoying like that kind of like experimental filmmaking about like the process itself. And I think there are like some images that are like worthwhile, but ultimately it kind of stemming from like high school kids. I kind of like, I don't know. Anytime you're really like hanging on like, I, I don't know, a kid's perspective yeah. as being like particularly profound or unique. I do think there is like something to be said about like the way like younger people perceive the world as being meaningful and interesting. But I think that this minds it for like profundity yeah. in a way that just it isn't there. And I like didn't click with me at all. Well, yeah, if you're going to listen to the kids, you know. You don't have to listen to every single goddamn kid, you know, because it's not 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 everyone has the every interest something interesting to say. I'm sorry yeah. to say it, and uh, um, so it's like you, we kind of get a lot of pontification from these high school students in these segments, and you know, I mean, pontification is only something you want from someone who's already very good at speaking, already has like a lot of opinions or whatever. And like these high schoolers are just, they, I mean, we might as well just be on Instagram reading motivational quotes. <laughs> not, not to be too harsh, but it is, I mean, it's just yeah. like, like you said, there's like a mining for profundity and like, I don't know, there's something like, there's like a segment, it's like, I feel like no one ever listens to, like in the movie, there's like, it's like, I don't, you know, people never listen to kids, what they have to say. And it's just like, this is like, I don't know, this is, you could get the same type of sentiment from like a kid's movie. So. True. Not to, I, I kind of put the hammer down. I'm sorry. Speaking of, I mean, you both kids, gave it like uh, yeah. pretty harsh reviews. Yeah, it was like, bad. It was quite yeah. bad. I, I, yeah, it was just like I just had no point of engagement with it. To be frank, that too. That too yeah. To speak of uh, false, profound youth icons, Celine Siama's yes. new film Petite Maman <laughs> is about a little girl. Who could see her mom? Hey, <laughs> hey, a seven-year-old hey. in the spoiler, scope. Yeah, spoiler, because yeah. that's that's the whole movie. Yeah, that is the one <laughs> plot point of the movie. So, which I mean, I guess I, I it, it is like I, to give it credit, we were very bored thirty-five minutes in, and I, that's halfway through this movie because it's very yeah. short. And while we were taking a bathroom break, I said, "Hey, I bet this movie has a trick up its sleeve," and it did. Yeah. In the words of Cameron, to paraphrase, I'd rather it had a brick up its sleeve. Like a movie can do one thing very well and it, it could still be a good movie. And I guess I'd argue the it doesn't do the one thing. Yeah, I mean well. it just like JT. Before I go, sorry to cut off JT it's in a okay. moment of passion, but I would say I think JT disliked this the most because I I remember when the movie I remember just groans of dissatisfaction <laughs> yeah. from JT while this watching is, this movie. This so. is the most audible groans I've heard from JT while watching a movie with him. I just like it pissed me off so fucking much because it's like I don't know I was willing to engage with it in some respect of being like like uh, it's weird because I hated this movie but I feel it made me curious about seeing portrait of a lady on fire because it's like what did people see in that that like led them to think that she was like a, a masterful filmmaker because like I don't know I you can do like sparse storytelling. Like I definitely can tap into like some like 
dumb middle class white people bullshit. But like, I mean, we did a whole series on James L. Brooks. <laughs> yeah, but there's like nothing to connect to here. Like the characters, yeah, there's not any dudes. The no, character, <laughs> the characters are so fucking sparse, and it's like I don't know. Sure, you could say it's like lit well or whatever, but like, is it though? The fr- the the framing is such dog shit. Yeah. It's like you could, it's just like the most standard ass way to like cover each scene. And it's like, that's fucking boring. I, I There's mean, nothing to like we, there for me. We should say what the film is about. Cause we didn't other than me saying the one plot point that happens 45 minutes into the 70 minute. Runtime. Yeah. Um, so there's a little girl, her granny just died. She said, go opens on her saying bye bye to everyone. It, I actually kind of like, like yeah. the opening scene. I was like, okay, you know what? Like I, this is, I actually thought that was probably the best use of, I don't know, the kind of sometimes obnoxious, like centered framing uh, and the camera movement is following the little girl through that, like, uh, I guess, nursing home, old people's home uh, right after her grandma had died. So she's going through, you know, the grief. And so are both of her parents. Yes, it's one of those movies that's capital a capital g about grief (laughs) they just can't seem to cope everyone's just a real fucking bummer you know yeah (laughs) uh and her mom like mentioned offhand like uh while while they're going to clear out her grandma's old house her mom mentions offhand you know the woods back there i used to you know i built a fort one time but um yeah i'm not gonna take you to it (laughs) that that part kind of pissed me off just like take your kid to the damn fort. yeah whatever that that doesn't matter that only pisses me off in retrospect because at this point i was still on board with the movie she goes to the fort meets a girl who looks just like her uh played by the actress's twin sister i believe or sister i don't know looks just like her um they're best friends they eat cereal they have fun coming of age don't we love being kids and having Uh, friends um and they you know bond over the the fort and don't don't you love building a fort in the forest i do um (laughs) yeah so anyway it's it's just like painstakingly slow and covered in grief and so there's like maybe two or three minutes of coming of age beats that feel appropriately gleeful like I feel like a coming of age movie, despite your grandma just dying, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, it's such a fucking bummer. It was just so hard to watch for me. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> I was scared of the emotional sentiment, <laughs> but I was just like so bored with it that I just like basically wanted to see the kids have fun. I was just like, you know, at least the kids will have fun at some point. And it's like, no. You know, it's metaphor time. And so here's the spoiler. Here is the metaphor. The The kid that she befriends is actually her mom mm-hmm. from, you know, uh, the, the the past. It's it's a time travel movie. We invented time travel. Time I, travel. That's true. Yeah. We are the only podcast that has harnessed time travel technology. Yeah, and only radio journalists to use it responsibly. What do you, what do you guys think about this device? Uh, or the, the that's like it's her mom or whatever. I mean, I don't want to. Here's the thing: I, not to be Mister, I got it all figured out. But uh, I I feel like I've I picked up on this that like this is like supposed to be her mom or something like that. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just I don't. 
the concept, I guess it's, it, I, I don't love it, but it, it's just, I think the execution is just somewhat unconvincing. That's, that's more, I think I, I might like this movie the most out of the group, even though I think we all kind of lay similar on it, but I feel like just, it just, it's, it's never really sold in a way that's, I don't know, interesting or convincing and like, I don't know. I'm, you know, if it's about grief, it's about grief. I'm ready to deal with grief or whatever that, you know, that is, but I, I don't know, you know, what it's not necessarily, I don't know. It's just not fucking interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I thought it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it is pretty telegraphed that it is going to be like the friend that she makes is going to be like her mother in the past. Like, I don't know. I, you know what? It got me. I didn't know. I knew mm-hmm. that something was coming, and I knew that there was something, you know, mm-hmm. off. I didn't guess it exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's one of those things well, that it's like, oh, I mean, the plot device worked. Wow, that's move. That's filmmaking, isn't it? Also, it's it's, <laughs> it's also. Like, I, I picked up on this just because, like, you're right. It, it is kind of, it is a little indebted to its like its concept, maybe a bit too much. Where there's just uh, moments of dialogue that are obviously going to like wrap back around yeah exactly and like and like uh i don't know just mentions of like surgery or whatever like similarities it's like oh yeah uh she's having the same surgery your mom had as a kid yeah and stuff like that and it's just like i don't know it kind of deflates um you know kind of the air out of this concept that i don't even think is exactly there to begin with yeah um so yeah i I, I like it's in her recent q a talking about the movie she calls it her most audience inclusive film and i feel like it's because you have to graft on your own personal experience with grief to connect with this in like any way like it's just like and if you're a professional movie watcher you don't do that yeah, yeah i mean i just think that like it's so devoid of like specificity in terms of like the way it's shot or like perspective. It just feels like a factory made art house movie mm. where it's like you hit all the beats. You have this like it's a sad like movie that like is pretty bummer throughout. But then you get this one moment of like like beautiful levity where it's like their kids like rowing a boat yeah. together. And it's just like I don't fucking care. Like none of this is like. None of this is original. Like it's just I don't know. It's standard art house fare in the worst, most fucking boring yeah. way. And like I don't buy the levity too. I don't know. I guess it's like critiquing child acting is kind of stupid, but it's just like I don't. It's just like kind of a strange performance. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't necessarily like it. I guess. You um, know what I liked? I'm just thinking right now, yeah. just about coming of age movies about kids, uh, particularly coming. Like festival circuit movies about young girls that were actually good. The Fits. Did you guys see that? No. Was that good? The Fits was good. That okay. was good. That's my recommendation. If you want to say that I just hate movies about young women, check out The Fits. Good yeah. movie. I mean, we've only pretty much talked about movies about directed by women on this episode. This right? is true. Also, just I to feel- give ourselves credit here, yeah. we're not uh, we're not sexist. So if you try to catch us up on that but nice I mean, try we got you it's like extended how, clip at berlin ale we're not sexist anymore <laughs> i mean how much exactly of petite maman is necessarily about like a uniquely like feminine like experience no. that's something like 
that I was expecting from like Portrait of a Lady on Fire is like touted as like a, a very feminist film, and I, obviously I have no judgments on that, having not seen it. But yeah. it's just like coming from that like type. One of, of our colleagues told me like because I actually didn't know much about this movie. Uh, one of our colleagues actually told me there's a scene where uh, one of the girls has like goop on her bed. That's what one of my colleagues told me today about Portrait Goop of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> in terms of like the rigor of like the feminine experience, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to <laughs> Some goop. There was some goop. a bed with goop on it. <laughs> Portrait of a lady on fire. No, well, I think I think what you're saying, like, yeah, I think this, I think that's my issue with this. That it is, it just kind of is standard art house fare, and like the beats, and kind of like the, I don't know, the the holding back of emotion. It's all kind of stand, yeah. And like I, I think you know, watching you know, watching some of the movies in the fest, these the festival. I've kind of realized, hey, there's some art house tendencies that I don't really like, and and like, I don't know, like, uh, I'm not exactly quick to run to like uh, this art house label necessarily because like mm. if you look at something like Petite Maman, it's like there's nothing necessarily experimental or I don't know, nothing. It's trying to do stand out visually, and it's okay, you know, you don't have to do that every time you make a movie, but it's just like. You know, I thought this is this is where the independent spirits are. This, it this doesn't is challenge the, you yeah, or challenge not, anything. Like it's not art house; it's alternative. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the, that's the new type. You know, the art house to Marvel pipeline. I saw her shouting out WandaVision Oof. earlier today, and you know what? You know, boom, hired, hired, exactly right. I mean, Lucretia Martel. You know, she's a little Jokerified. She's on that DC tip. You know, Ooh. and that's and that's you Get know the Martel cut. Martel, we got Snyder over there on DC. That's where the real auteurs lie. That's all mm. I got to say. <laughs> team dc over marvel that's my take <laughs> okay. from the berlin nail film festival as we wrap up to be responsible journalists yes because i think well, there we have are... some more we have some more that we're gonna the... i know but for oh. to wrap up okay. segment one okay, we're gonna yeah. come back in a couple days with segment two but let's just give a collective rating for each of these films real quick we don't have to care that much okay mm-hmm. and we can decide it very quickly okay introduction we all gave it a four yeah it's a yeah. four out of five four bullets so all of these for for berlin ale reasons uh if you're listening to this and you're on faculty we our rating skill is one to five bullets five is the most bullets that a film has ever gotten and thank you and thank you for listening yeah if you are. uh <laughs> jack's ride two bullets two and a half two and a half okay extended clip gives jack's ride two and a half bullets come here i gave it three and a half I'm staying at three for the time being until like I, I am. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'll get three and a half. Okay. Three Extended clip gives three and a half. Uh, the scary of 61st, two. Two and, uh, two and a half, I feel like, is a good group indicator. Yeah, two and a half is a good group you're indicator. Because you're two, you're I'm three. three. I'm in the middle. Okay. Uh, Extended clip gives scary of 61st, two bullets. Two and a half. Two and a half bullets. I almost snuck it in. <laughs> nice try, <laughs> <Yeah>. Eddie. <laughs> 13 ways of looking at a blackbird. One and a half? One and a half seems fair. Um, yeah, one and a half. One and a half bullets. Uh, Petite Maman. One and a half? One and a half. And the one we did not discuss oh. does not... Uh, I think it's too short maybe even for rating. Everything else has been like 30 minutes at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, May, June, July by Kevin Jerome Everson was uh, quite nice. I, I liked mm-hmm. it quite a yeah. bit. Uh, very diary-like for the first half and then uh, we get, I mean, we see very quick 
a snippet of it in the beginning, but then the second half is an extended uh, take of a man roller skating uh, with a mask on. And it was during the Black Lives Matters protest uh, last summer, uh, or protests rather. And uh, yeah, it's just like him roller skating around in different patterns while uh, a, a march is eventually approaching and you can kind of hear it slowly building on the soundtrack. And uh, yeah, it, it was a really great little eight minute piece. No, yeah, I, li- I liked it too. And like, I don't know w- watching this is like, this is kind of like, you know, when I, I idealize festival art house, you know, uh, short form filmmaking, I'm like, all right, this is some, this is like meets the positive expectations, right? Yeah. This is like, no, this was very yeah. solid. Like this is like, I very, said great, but it's, yeah. it's very solid. Like for what it is, it's yeah. like very good. Yeah. It's like, it's very political in a way that's, I, I find very intelligent and in like a, I don't know the way it kind of like uh, is revealed within this rollerblading scene. You get you get to enjoy the rollerblading and you get to enjoy that reveal too. Yeah. I mean, hey, I like it. And the first half also yeah. uh, all like very dark kind of like nighttime photography of just like plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very, very nice. Yeah, no, I mean, I share that sentiment. I mean, I think like not not this work in particular but i feel like something that like has been in general just like a gripe or a problem with like the festival experience and you mentioned something about this a little bit earlier malcolm is like the lack of context i mean ideally yeah. any movie i can like come into i should be able to enjoy it without any context but like that's not that's obviously not the reality of the world and i feel like with festival movies a lot of the time i mean especially the other the other media bozos that are covering this who know even less than we do and they're all <laughs> rushing to do fucking day after reviews yeah. too yeah no it's like, like come on hey it, you're not going to you're not going to you're not. You gotta let it marinate. Film well, is like a marinara sauce. I, I you know. I hate. I hate to reveal this to you guys, but these people are not exactly good faith actors, and they're not. They're not exactly. <laughs> what? They're not exactly people who you want reviewing your films. You're telling me IndieWire doesn't have the best interest of the film film viewer at heart? No, no, no. Yeah, it is. It is kind of dark and insidious. They they actually would rather instead of kind of get you know taking time to collect their thoughts on a movie and get produce a thoughtful review they actually they want to be one of the first to have a comment on it and that kind of uh that you know is more important than any f- sort of a meaningful criticism or like uh i don't know engaging with the audience or anything like that so that's kind of the dark secret behind all these these bloggers uh we got we got to wrap up because it's already ten forty. yeah gotta okay. watch a movie um okay part two soon we have entered a new realm. Okay, tiniest mom could be an award. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, we're recording now. We, we okay. gotta we gotta pull the curtain forward. Damn. <laughs> uh, we're back, reporting live from Berlin. Our breathless coverage of <laughs> Berlin seventy one. Breathless coverage. I've heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just exhausted from watching all these bad movies. I'm breathless because all the fucking loud up and smoking up in Berlin, that Berlin loud. Absolutely. Um, we we ranked or gave ratings to at least almost all the movies that we watched, uh, but uh, there, there's really not much to add to that because since we last checked in with you, JT and I watched one feature, and then the three of us tried to watch as many of the short films as we could, but frankly, they weren't very good, so we only watched a handful of them. So we'll talk about those. Uh, we'll also talk about the new Hamaguchi film 
and uh, then we'll wrap up with some awards. Sound good? I mean, that's, you know, people are like, awards? They have awards at film festivals? I thought this was supposed to be about art, you know what I mean? But, it, you know, it, it's, why, where are you going to have a whole ceremony, get everyone here? You got to give someone a trophy. You know? Yes. I'm just sad to be leaving Berlin. I'm just going up to all of my uh, professional film critic friends like David Ehrlich saying hags. Uh, <laughs> um, I just, I'm really going to miss everyone here. I think we've grown as a community. Absolutely. My autograph book was already full on day one. Yeah, this is a real all the stars are here situation. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, just through Letterbox, we saw that uh, shout out Bacon Redman. He's been watching. He's been watching a lot of these movies and a lot of the same stuff as yeah, us. Yeah, he's got some opinions. And I was like, that's such a freaking epic name. Bacon Redman. Bacon Redman. Bacon Redman. Come on the podcast sometime. <laughs> So we're making friends here. We're yeah. having a good time. We're making friends, having a great time. Um, the film that JT and I watched was Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, the new film by Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Uh, Hamaguchi made Happy Hour and Asako Part 1 and 2. Um, those were both very well-received films that, if I recall correctly, none of us have seen. Yep, all of you are shaking your head no. no uh, yeah, I, audio medium. I mean, yeah, I, hey, I haven't seen the Hamaguchi, um, but this one was great. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a good introduction. It seems like from what I've read, it like, I don't know, feels like, a, and I mean, especially you get three episodes. It's like a little sampler platter. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the film is divided into three episodes, as he calls them. The first one being magic or something less assuming. Uh, then we get door wide open and the last one is called once again um yeah i i really loved this the first one uh one of the longer scenes takes place in the back of a car i guess in some sort of rideshare uh where two women are discussing a date that one went on uh one of them not knowing that the date she's describing is with her friends uh, former lover so uh, th this very long conversation and trust me it is like painstakingly uh, detailed this date that she went on but all just shot in the backseat of this car her describing it of course uh, is just all perfect setup for the kind of romantic farce that is to follow but of course it's not you know farcical as in people opening and slamming doors it's all played out very slowly uh, but I, very precisely and with a lot of like uh, very moving small little sequences in each one of these little chapters. But uh, yeah, the first one, especially, I think the use of the length of conversations is put uh, to great use. Yeah. I mean, something that in general has like really pissed me off about uh, this festival is art house movies and just like, um, pacing of them and it's like there's there's so much bad bullshit and then Hamaguchi rolls in to deliver us another showing us how it's done like that you can have sort of like uh, like a cold distant sort of camera and like uh, framing but like I don't know have that actually be purposeful and impactful like I don't know the way he lets things play out 
in uh, long takes like that. I mean, you've dropped the Romare comparison like a few times, but I think it's apt. It's like, I don't know. There are no useless cuts. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know, is only one essential. Yeah, exactly. And he's not as pared down as someone like Hong Sang-soo, but it is a very limited range of what he's willing to do like with the camera and in terms of uh, how he cuts together certain sequences. And there are sequences that are played in, you know, shot, reverse shot, and, yeah. you know, things that even resemble coverage, but are much more precise, uh, it feels like. Uh, but this first episode, uh, the love triangle of it, comes to a head at a cafe where we just have this beautiful fake-out of what would be a totally over-the-top melodramatic uh, ending to this episode, but instead it's revealed to be a fantasy of one of the characters. And, you know, much like in that Hong Sang-soo movie we watched, where we then judge the character for what their fantasy was uh, in the dream world, we do the same with this character, uh, as she then chooses to kind of diffuse the situation, walk away, don't get involved in a love triangle. <laughs> That, well, you know, I haven't seen the movie and I, you know, I plan to further down the road, but I like that. You know, that's that's good moral decision making right there. So yeah, no, I, like I mean, beyond just like letting characters talk, uh, it's Romare-esque in terms of like the six moral tales. Like it's uh, it's very, it's like, hey, there's a lesson to these stories. <laughs> you know, I love uh, Romare's, uh, you know, six moral tales, but I'm more of a fan of two shorts, freaky tales. If you haven't heard that song. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that without seeing the movie, you could still contribute to the segment. Uh, 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 uh. Um, so the second segment, Door Wide Open, is the longest one. It's almost an hour long, and it starts with a guy getting like fired slash kicked out of like an academic institution um, and embarrassed in front of everyone. He's on his knees begging for the guy to like keep him around. Uh, and it's just, you know, complete embarrassment. And then we jump three years later, and he is trying to set this woman up to a uh, honey trap, the professor that embarrassed him all those years later. And all three of these uh, f- episodes are very distinctly like from the perspective of one woman. This one takes the longest to get to her perspective because you see the guy have the embarrassing firing and, you know, negotiating with her to set this plan into action but once it goes into her perspective and she goes and tries to uh erotically tempt this professor the film is like totally firing on all cylinders yeah no that scene alone just by like because that's the bulk of that segment and it just like he's playing with how uncomfortable being in that room of that sort of like uh, forced flirtation is and it's not something that only just like hits that one note of uncomfortable the relationship and dynamic between the professor and this woman changes like various times throughout and uh, I don't know it's it's beautiful how that plays out and in terms of the uh, you know dynamics of like a two-hander changing to talk about the third one uh, there are some major shifts in how these characters see each other, uh, how the characters see themselves. Uh, you know, identity uh, gets thrown out the window in service of, I guess, memory. In the third one, this kind of speculative fiction 
thing called Once Again, where uh, a virus, oh, I've heard of those, but this one is called Xeron, and it's an online virus. And it just, I guess, uh, randomly sends the contents of people's hard drives to everyone they've ever made uh, online contact with. So, you know, on on a large scale, a lot of businesses were affected. But on a small scale, a lot of families were affected. (laughs) This seems like uh, what would be if Romare lived to more contemporary times, like his wet dream, that like people would just go back to just letter writing. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no more internet. That's, like, the result of the fallout of the virus. And it's so funny that, like, that's what replaces, like, the internet is, like, oh, yeah, people just, like, write letters now. (laughs) And that's because that's, I guess, all we used the internet for is communication. Kind of short-sighted. But uh, whatever. It's just a setup for these conversations. And, yeah, I really liked the third one. The third one was a a really crazy episode, wasn't it? I generally have a problem with anthology movies because it's like there's usually one weak link, but I think the unity of uh, all of them being about like reconnecting with like former lovers and like that sort of shift in perspective that occurs there ties them all together. And like the last one, I don't know, is the most hopeful and like mm-hmm. optimistic. And I think it ends on such a beautiful, like little grace note there that, uh, I don't know. It's uh, my favorite of the three. Yeah. Um, so a woman comes back to Tokyo, uh, you know, comes back into town for a high school reunion. The reunion is very underwhelming. Uh, and then on an escalator, she sees uh, someone who resembles an old friend of hers. And they, you know, very vaguely catch up in the way that you do with someone you haven't seen in 20 years. And then it's revealed that they don't actually know each other. <laughs> and uh, they they forge a little relationship in such a short time uh, that they know will only last a short time. As one of these characters is just in town visiting. And they use each other to kind of play out these fantasies of people that they want to run into. Uh, one each, you know, uh, one of these characters playing another character from the other one's past. And yeah, it's really moving. Like, I, I think that the speculative fiction aspect of it is almost just like to get uh, some coincidences to land without being like, <laughs> like, you know, you, you didn't look this person up, you know, you couldn't, you know, uh, it's like, let's just take yeah, this like, out of it and let these people talk as people rather than have the conveniences of the modern world get in the way of the drama, I guess. Yeah. It sets up those circumstances really nicely. And I think one thing that this last segment reminded me of, and I feel like this might be a little bit of a dumb comparison, but like, the emotional catharsis of like playing out like what the the conversations you've always wanted to have with people that have like left your life reminds me of uh in uh, Nathan Fielder's Finding Francis towards mm-hmm. like the end of that where it's uh Bill uh the Bill Gates impersonator is like talking to like an actress hired to play <laughs> um the uh the Francis who he's searching for and so like through that very dumb exercise where uh Nathan has him play Francis that shift in perspective he's able to see and understand and like by such a simple act of like pretending there but like 
appropriating like the relationship, you still get that emotional release and it doesn't like matter whether it's real or fake. And I think this carries out how that can be like silly, but also really beautiful. And I mean, it's worth noting just how beautifully and uh, carefully shot and edited this whole movie is uh, presented mainly in long takes. So every cut almost you know, calls attention to itself uh, if you're a freak like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, and when it does rarely settle into typical shot, reverse shot, it's set up in such a stylized way that, um, yeah, it's it's just a really beautiful movie. Are, are we ready to, as extended clip, give it four? Yeah, out I of think five? so. Okay. On to the, the shorts series. Malcolm, what yeah. do you think of these? <laughs> well, these shorts. Well, like, to be honest, I mean, the ones that we watched today, um, I liked I liked a couple of them. I did mm-hmm. like a couple of them. Um, you know, we watched one called Window. We watched one called uh, His Motorcycle. Motorcycles. Motorcyclist his motors- happiness won't fit into his suit. Okay. Watch that one. We watched the Dawn Chorus, and then we watched... Uh, some animated one. The Dawn Chorus. The Dawn Chorus. What the was The Dawn it? Patrol by Howard Hawks. Uh, no, we watched International Dawn Chorus Day. Okay. Uh, talk to me when it's International Dawn Corleone Day. <laughs> <laughs> seems like that's every day on my Instagram feed. It seems True. like a lot of people are posting images of them. We also watched a Vadim on a walk. Uh, so let's briefly go through them. Window by Edgar Jorge Barrett. It uh, starts with a picture of an apartment that his family used to live in. And then we get a window with five screens that are, you know, in uh, purple and yellow, like standby mode before, you know, shifting around a bit and then ending up being like uh, fractions of that image that we saw before. And it's a very, you know, if you have the patience, a very nice little exercise. And then the tail end of it maybe goes out of control with some stuff that probably is very nice to him as a person, but to me didn't make any sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, we, when it ended, we all kind of agreed that the first half was a little stronger just cause like there is like, I don't know, like a, a drive there to like, I don't know, ruminate on this window and the window, you know, he's focusing on, as I pointed out, pretty, pretty fucking sick window. I, w- I wouldn't mind having that window in my place. Yeah. I wasn't like, I don't know, not a really a great movie, but I would check out that window, not the movie window, yeah. but like the, the window he's talking about in this, it's, uh, there's some good stained glass there. there. There's some good, like to give this guy credit, you know what I mean? I, I liked some of his like interior apartment, mm-hmm. like, uh, um, shots, just the composition there was real strong, but yeah, it's nothing, uh, very overwhelming, but to be honest, you know, compared to some of the other shorts, I was, I was just enjoying it just cause like I yeah. felt there was a place for me to grasp on and I don't know. Yeah. The back end, not, you know, I didn't like it as much. He's got a, you know, shot of him hugging his girl. You know what I mean? It's like, who cares, dude? Yeah. Oh, we you got get it. You yeah. have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. get it. Stop bragging about you having got, a girlfriend. You got a sick window. You yeah. got you got you got a movie. Brag in, about the window, not the girlfriend. You got a movie in Berlin. That's big. That's going to up your buzz. It's true. You know, you got your main girl. All right, <laughs> let's 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 move on. Uh, <laughs> International Dawn Chorus Day. Uh, John Grayson. Birds from six continents on a Zoom call gossip about the deaths of Egyptian filmmaker Shadi Habash and Egyptian queer activist Sarah Hagazi. 
this is one of the worst and like most patronizing kind of art house uh, message pictures I've seen in quite some time. It's kind of perplexing because it is like it starts out very just like stupid. Like it seems like it'd be like a. I don't know. It's like it has like the sent it, when it starts it seems to have like the sentiment of something like I don't know like for grandmas or something like that. And then it and then it just turns into like oh you hear about this activist who got arrested. That's bad. And it's like yeah, I guess that that is bad. But it's like it, it's just like it, it's just like I don't know. It just I I say it that way just cuz it's like it's a weird contrast. I right? think it really the, diminishes the struggle of all yeah. these activists. I mean, I get what it's trying to do in the sense of being like oh, like there are so many activists that were imprisoned and like died and like going with like the caged bird, like jail thing. But I think, I don't know, doing it through, like introducing it through the lens of of birds having a conversation over Zoom is too fucking stupid and like hacky to like, I don't know. I, I, I really think it's insulting to like the work of those activists. Not to mention uh, like halfway through it kind of introduces like the premise even that has been going this whole time of these birds uh being subtitled their chirps being subtitled and it says at the bottom of the screen that there is an app uh that google developed where you can like uh you know it's it's like the newest you know premium version of google translate where it can translate bird sounds it's like well you're clearly not using it yeah. <laughs> like you didn't find birds that have the same politics as you, uh, but <laughs> like using that as an entryway for your political mouthpiece thing is like, yeah, it's fucking lame. I, I hated it. No, yeah, I mean that's that's also true. Yeah, there's like an ad for like an app on the Google Store in the middle of it. Like it's just yeah. like, fuck off. This is this well, I mean, was is, that this like is a art- joke? I, I mean, well, I, it it wasn't yeah. an ad for it. It said like uh, some reviews were. Crit- it's kind of a joke. It's yeah. like that. That's like what the premise of the subtitled birds is kind of riffing on, I guess. Yeah. But it's like who cares? Yeah. Uh, I might. He, he might. All right. Maybe he got one over my head. Yeah, but, but also uh, it, it's like a Zoom movie. You know, yeah. it's it, it's a COVID movie. And it uses the zoom box aesthetic and then like stylizes it. It does it more of a picture in picture kind of thing. Um, and I think the stylizations when you like, he's, he's like uh, doing like a mosaic kind of thing sometimes. And it's like, give up dude. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't like mosaic in like any, it's not a good mosaic piece for, no, for in, you know, the all. sake of a, uh, mosaic compositions it's just a bunch of random images okay what about motorcyclist's happiness won't fit in his suit i like you know i like this out of uh i'm trying to think of all the shorts we watched this was the best one yeah 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 just like even i'm just thinking like shorts terrible title shape up your titles yeah that that i think that's why i was a little skeptical going in but you know, it has that unique aspect ratio of a uh, one-one. Yeah, we 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 got a ruler out and we we checked that <laughs> one. Um, yeah, it's we, directed by uh, Gabriel Herrera Torres, and it's it's a ten-minute, very Godardian. Uh, and when I say Godardian, '60s Godardian in particular, uh, Godardian just kind of. Uh, guy with a motorcycle in his homies movie <laughs> yeah no yeah and it's just I, I don't know compared to like some of the other shorts or even you know some of the narrative features here just i kind of liked it's it has a jovial tone you know what i mean it's like this uh you know like you said we have these friends and this this uh, the group alpha who rides his uh, motorcycle around i mean it does like that like 60s godard riff 
Um, but like, I don't know, just taking the fact that it's kind of playful and I think like, I don't know, that's appropriating that spirit for a relatively like harmless and fun short. It's nice and really beautiful to look at. A lot of great compositions here. No, yeah, that's 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 what kind of stood out to me the most. Yeah, like kind of like it has like these strong compositions and especially some of like these uh these like ones that are kind of uh, in like the shadows of darkness of like this kind of yeah. tent that they're in. Th- those in particular, he the director gets off some really good shots. And of course, that. they're just completely crushed yeah. by the streaming compression. Uh, so you know, <laughs> you're like uh, if you're re- if you're hearing this at a time where that film is available, uh, not through like some shitty screener stream. Definitely check that out. Um, to, to speak of the content of the film, yeah, it's like this guy in like a kind of remote like tent kind of thing has his friends that help him trick out his motorcycle and he goes, I guess, uh, we, we assume he rides into the city to get parts and new gear and stuff and then comes back and he comes and goes a couple times by the end. He has some glow in the dark gear and some really funny stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice fun short that looks very good. Three stars for me. Yeah, I'll give it three stars. And I'll, you know what I'll also say? You're going to have to see it to believe it. True. Um, the last one we watched was Vadim on a Walk. This is a Russian cartoon. Uh, very, very um, impressionistic? No. No. Expressionistic? Not even. Mm. Abstract? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could you could call a lot of things abstract. <laughs> um, Guy is in a box, and the box is called Society. And he's literally in the box, but then he gets out, and everything's crazy. So he's got to get you back in that box. You want to go back in that box. <laughs> yeah. The box. Um, it, guys- really, it really disappoints me in general, like how... like bad a lot of like independent animation is i mean because i think main, the state of mainstream animation is not a whole lot better yeah. um and it's just i don't know i wish there would be you could do something fun with like a unique um i don't know style like this but yeah well it's, it's also very like eddie was described very like literal minded right and it's like just like like uh i don't know like in a box i gotta get out of my box and then uh, society's so strange to me yeah it's just uh you know a better a better uh, piece of art concerning this subject is living in a box by living in a box if you've never heard that song check it out i have not it's an 80s song what about man in a box by allison chains i haven't heard that one okay well that's our recommendation from Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> you, you haven't th- heard Man in a Box by I mean, Allison Chains? I mean, maybe if you played it, I don't know it by title. <sighs> you haven't heard Living in a Box by Living in a Box? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Off the uh, debut album, Living in a Box? Before we hop back on a plane, you guys ready to give out some awards? Of course. Yeah. What do you think was the worst movie we watched? Uh, it's the 13 ways of looking at a blackbird or whatever. Really? Oh, okay. wait, no, no, no. The, the Don Chorus one. I yeah. I was going to say bird, man. Come get your, come yeah. get your shit, man. Yeah. You We're suck. giving everyone golden guns. <laughs> Birds take award. a bath. John Grayson. Come get your shit. You <laughs> suck. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good on the second take. <laughs> Birds take a bath, motherfucker. It's the second night in a row. I'm telling one of you guys, please mark whatever microphone you're doing that into. <laughs> so it becomes your microphone. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he gets he gets he gets the shitlist award for sure. Oh. But there's also a ensemble shitlist award that we're gonna give to the cast of Thirteen Ways of Looking at a Blackbird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these kids gotta stop making movies ASAP, man. Yeah. Hang up. Let, let hey. your teacher make her movies on her own. They're probably pretty good. Yeah, I think that's the the weirdest part about the the uh, Berlin Film Festival this year. They're too many movies for kids. Yeah. It's a little sus. Yeah, there's so me. many movies where like the main character is a 12-year-old, so we just didn't watch it. Yeah. It's like, dudes, what are you doing here? Why do you want to watch Ugh. all these kids? Not a good look. Yeah, it's 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 so like this is this is, you know, we've had so many people saying, "Oh, it's some of the craziest shits on TikTok nowadays when it comes to And they're all 40 years old. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're they're the festival filmmakers now. So Wow. That actually makes sense. I saw a very prominent festival filmmaker say that the only thing that is like on the level of Donnie Darko these days is on TikTok. Dude, the only only good porn you could get nowadays is on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> okay. That one we might yeah. actually have to put a uh you were lying when you said that, right? That was a joke? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. Yeah, clearly he was joking. <laughs> that was that was that was more tasteless than what I said. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the fuck? Clarifying he's not jacking off to TikTok. <laughs> I, I know plenty of people who are though. You're on notice. <laughs> the breakout star award. Um, the breakout bear, as it were, uh, <laughs> the golden bear, the variant of the bear that we give to the star of tomorrow, the guy who comes in here or the gal who comes in here, stars it's in a, a movie, and, it is a guy, <laughs> uh, stars in a movie and yeah. just blows the lid off of the entire critical establishment and the local film goers. Jack. <laughs> it's Jack. It's Jack. It's Jack from Jack's Taxi. Sorry, from No J- No Jack Do Taxi or Jack's Ride. Jack's His name Ride. is Joakim, but he's Jack. Really? If well, you don't know Joakim, then you don't know Jack. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. A lot of these, I mean, while the film itself is mediocre, <laughs> a lot of these other festival critics are not going to be bringing you like the personality. We're we're here looking for stars yeah. potentially yeah, yeah. that like I don't know, I think he throw Jack like maybe um something like a uh, like a give him like a Mission Impossible style franchise. I I don't know. I think this guy he has a future, baby. Well, I know this is kind of playing for the other team, but I just want to like boost his career. Um you know, Disney, they have all these streaming options for Marvel. And I think that's <laughs> where he fits in is there's like a new show where Jack is driving his taxi around Portugal. And then one of the Marvel characters with teleportation powers brings him to the United States oh. to do work for, ooh, ooh. you know, the CIA or whatever. It's like comedians in cars getting coffee with Jack, but he's, he's driving around Marvel characters. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Marvel, take notes. Damn, Disney Plus, write us a fucking check. I mean, check. this is this is this is the thing, right? You know, we were like, oh, we we hate mainstream, uh, we hate Marvel, oh, we hate all this stuff. And then we go to the fucking Art House Film Festival. It's like, I need to get a job for Marvel ASAP. Yeah. What the fuck? Also, by the way, I really, I really do hope it's a package deal, and I hope uh, director Suzanne and uh, Suzanne and Nobra can also, you know, direct the entire series yeah. because, you know, uh, frankly. 
Jack's performance is nothing without the Kurismaki-like dryness uh, that surrounds the film. So it, it really makes his personality seem like it's just oozing with charm, swag, uh, etc. When he may very well, he may very well be just a normal guy well, like you or me. I wouldn't say that. Well, I'm saying on the inside because <laughs> we'll talk about the outside in a second. Our next award is in partner with Mr. Skin. It's the extended clip smoke show of the festival. Get your lotion out. Get your tissues. And um. it also goes to Jack. <laughs> Jack's a fucking goddamn smoke show. I'd fucking slam that dime any fucking time of the week. You got to see that quaff he's got going on. It's like uh, it's like Silvio Dante. I think it's so funny that so much of this hinges on what this guy looks like, which no one is going to be able yeah. to find. Yeah, you can't even like find an image of the movie. You're like, what? I mean, you know, I'm we'll throw Jack up on the episode art for this yeah. one. Yeah. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Jack He's fucking really rules. the festival mascot. Jack Jack's the best. All right. Um, now it's actually time to get down to business. Um, we're all tourists, so best director and best film are the same thing. And so we're going to give the golden bear that is holding a gun to Hong Sang-soo for introduction. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's almost as good as DJ Shadow's introduction. But uh, <laughs> I'm really pulling out the music references <laughs> for this, this uh, half of the episode. But yeah, I mean... I mean, I think they're both classics. Ex- <laughs> Dude, me too. I fucking love both of them. Uh, we already talked about this movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> the silver bear that is holding a gun and a camera for second place in filmmaking goes to Ryusake Hamaguchi's Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Come on up here and get your shit, Mr. Hamaguchi. <laughs> Oh, wow. He's very humble. He doesn't want to speak at all about this. He's just taking the award and walking off stage. That's really nice of him. I mean, what a humble guy. Sight unseen, I'll, I will also deem this the second best uh, movie of the festival. Yeah. No, for sure it is. Uh, <laughs> Let's just and, be honest. And last but not least, the bronze bear with the camera and the gun goes to you, our audience. <laughs> I was wondering what were you gonna go with that. <laughs> um, Who else would be worthy? I, I well, I was gonna say um, we forgot to give the Petite Maman Award of the Year award <laughs> for Tiniest Mama. For Tiniest Mama. Yeah, it goes to one of the kids from Tiny Mama. I don't know. Yeah, that Tiny movie truly sucked. <laughs> Tiny Dancer. Now there <laughs> is a piece of music. I mean, it's like I'm glad that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Getting a little punchy after hours here at Extended a Clip. Of, a lot of music here. A lot of. Uh, <laughs> just, hey, have you heard this? Just, just <laughs> dropping titles of songs that sound like the titles of movies. <laughs> All right, we're back to normal next week. Uh, we got a double feature. Hey, uh, award winner Hong Sang Soo is coming right back. We're going to talk about his film Night and Day. It's one of the craziest movies, so I can't wait to rewatch it. <laughs> God damn, this shit's fucking crazy. I think Hong Sang Su crazy. I think Nine Day crazy. It's all, all this shit's crazy. It's crazy to be here. Crazy yeah. ass Korean boy. The B picture is a pre-code nasty by William Wellman. Uh, safe in Hell. Both movies about a character 
going to a new place and having to get used to it, <laughs> whether it's uh, France or an island. So, um, yeah, talk to you next week. Subscribe to the Patreon, $2 a month, patreon.com slash extended clip. Any final words, boys? I'm just glad to be going back to America. That's oh, me all. Too. God bless our troops. They dip. Their, you know what they dip their French fries in here? What? Come. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>